0: Here's, here's an interesting reality about our lives. We are, we are individuals that God has joined to things that are bigger than us. And, and quite interesting, usually that's the thing that makes your individuality live on. Right, so if I threw out names, you know, that, that you know, you know, whether it's popular names, you know, Paul McCartney, Winston Churchill, Mike Aruzioni. How many of y'all know who Mike Aruzioni is? All right. So there's a handful hockey guy who won the gold medal for the U.S. team uh, a number of years ago. But, you know, we only know these guys, quite honestly, because they were a part of something beyond themselves. Right. We all know the Beatles. And you would not have known Paul McCartney, by the way, without them. We know Winston Churchill, but you would not have known Winston Churchill if it hadn't been for the nation of England and the time frame in which he led. And, you know, when I look around this room, there are names that come from somewhere. You know, there's there are Peter names here. James is here. John is here. Paul is in this room. Uh, And those names live on because they were New Testament people, individuals that followed something beyond themselves. They became part of a mission that continues to this day. And if it weren't for the mission of Jesus Christ, there there probably wouldn't be anybody in this room named Peter or James or John or Paul those names went global because this mission went global, and, and you and I are part of that mission. That mission continues today, and, and we're in the moments of that mission right now, and our star date, if you will, of the mission that we're on together is the year 2022. It is a season in the setting of America where God has placed us, where our mission is unfolding Together, And this has been the moment that you and I have lived in. We have lived in about a decade or two of severe cultural shift uh, in our lifetime that's been accelerated by the last two years of mixing a pandemic and global changes with a moment in history where the ideologies and ideas of human beings were rapidly, rapidly changing. And then you zero into Lakeview Christian Center, and it's address right here in New Orleans. We have lived in the last two years and faced more changes among us than we've ever changed, uh, faced in, in decades of time. More staff members have departed, and more staff members have come in that brief two-year window than probably a, a 10-year window anywhere in, in our history. So... I want to answer the question for us, because I think this is how life feels for a lot of us. It certainly feels that way for us as a church. How do you do mission when the mission seems unusually hard? And I could ask that question not just out of the context of Lakeview Christian Center as a local church. Uh, Lots of meetings over the last two years have been with husbands and wives, with individuals, with single people, with widows, uh, with seniors with young people have become disillusioned about things going on in their lives. And many people in this room, I won't, I won't mention any of you, but many, many people in this room are walking through a season where life just seems hard. What I'm doing and what God's called me to do just seems hard. And I'm primarily talking about the local church mission here today but in, in God glorifying his name through our lives, you know, you're, you're on a mission when you go to work every day and you serve your employer or you're an employer and you provide opportunities for others to work with you. You're on God's mission there. You're on a mission being married to your spouse. You're on a mission raising your children. Your children are on a mission in the way in which they submit to those leading them and they bring the, the gospel into the world. So All of us are on this mission together, and our mission might seem hard for a variety of reasons. And I just want to get some wisdom from the Lord to us today and try to do this in a quick fashion. Hebrews chapter 12 is going to be up on your screen. It's in your outline as well. This is counsel, and let's get the context here. This is counsel given by the Holy Spirit to speak to people whose mission has become hard. That's who you have in the book of Hebrews. You have the same audience in First Peter, by the way. That's why the books sound very similar. Speaking to a group who would characterize their lives as uh, shifting, changing, challenging, hard to explain. Suffering would litter the pages here. Loss, confusion, temptation to quit and give up that's the audience that's here and then the holy spirit's going to inspire the writer of hebrews to engage their moment and to address their moment of hard so i just i just see wisdom for us in this passage and we'll just interact with it for a few minutes hebrews 12 verse 1 says therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside So what's interesting in this passage here is the first thing that is done to speak to an audience that's going through a particularly hard moment is, let me call some witnesses. You back up just one or two verses from this passage here into chapter 11. Uh, Chapter 11 is that hall of faith chapter where one person after another, their life is going to be described as they were on mission with God. They were walking by faith in unique settings where God had assigned them and defined for them. This is what you're going to live in. This is what you're going to live in. This is what you're going to live in. And you're going to walk and follow me. And you're going to bring my glory into your corner of the world, into your moment in time. And yet, I don't know if you've read carefully chapter eleven. You know, it's the hall of faith. It's a hard chapter, right? This is this is how it concludes, right? Chapter eleven. And these are settings that are describing the realities of what life felt like. So let these words not be something so far away and so long ago, but but let them be words that describe real settings with people like you and I. These are our spiritual ancestors who were on the same mission that we're on. And they experienced life as characterized by this passage. And yet they're being called as witnesses to help us today. So they're going to talk to us about following God in settings that sound like this. Listen to the words here. Hebrews 11, verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith, that's what we do in our mission, we walk it out by faith, who through faith they conquered kingdoms. They enforced justice. They obtained promises, right? Don't read too fast, right? They conquered kingdoms. There was conquering that needed to be done, right? How many of you know how many kingdoms don't show up surrendering kingdoms show up with power and influence. And these guys were going to have to walk out God's mission in conquering kingdoms that were going to resist any kind of input and influence there. They enforced justice. Do you know when you have to enforce justice? When injustice is in the setting that you live in, that you're facing injustice, and by faith, you're on a mission to bring justice into that setting. They obtained promises, they stopped the mouths of lions and quenched the power of fire and escaped the edge of the sword. So, if you visited these folks on their mission, there were lions in the picture with them, there were swords in the picture with them. And they were going to be threatened by these moments. They were going to feel the real reality of that lion can eat me at any second. That sword can be used against me at any moment. And this is the setting of their mission. They were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war. These folks were in settings of war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women receive back their dead by resurrection. If you know the stories of the Bible's description of resurrection, before you make this sound like something it's not saying, there are very few of these events in Scripture, which means most of these women did not receive back anybody from the dead. But God did resurrect some because he can do that. Some were tortured Some of those who walked together in the purpose of God watched other people that they loved and walked with in the kingdom of God be tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep, and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these, though commended through their faith, though they stayed on mission by faith, did not receive what was promised since God had promised something better for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Now, I, I gotta say, I don't think the writer to the, in the book of Hebrews would be invited into a lot of churches today. That's as positive as you got to say right here. Don't you know we're hurting? Don't you know we're discouraged? Could you give us some good news for goodness sake? All right, before you critique this preacher that way, remember the Holy Spirit inspired these words. And he specifically inspired them into a context to speak to people who were in their own season of hard. This is just hard and discouraging. And I don't want I don't know if I want to keep doing this. This is the word that God brings into their moment. And, and then if we're realistic, again, we've lived in this thing called America and we've gotten the breaks in a lot of categories and, and our, our world is not hard. Like a lot of other settings have been hard. A lot of other settings around the world, a lot of other settings in church history. If you followed the world word hard out of the first century and you followed Christianity, you would find that word hard all throughout the history of Christianity. You get into the second century and the third century, and you would see Uh, error and heresy beginning to proliferate and subgroups within Christianity rising up against one another and beginning to persecute and harm one another. So it went from those Romans and Gentiles and and the angry Jews persecuting us to now we're persecuting each other in the second and third century. There's a reason why the dark ages are called the dark ages. Because the light of God's word was so severely neglected and teaching and truth bound explanations of why we exist was so gone in the world and so uncommon in the church. You would have been sitting in churches where you would not have heard the word of God all the way up to a moment in the reformation, right? That moment of the reformation, those who were on mission for God, they did it in a hard time zone in a hard moment. And what about world missions? in the last few hundred years where people have gone to the ends of the earth to take the gospel into settings that don't feel anything like planning a church in America, which by the way, that's getting harder and harder to do. And they don't feel like a flourishing church in America that we have grown to be familiar with. I mentioned at an Iram Judson a few weeks ago, his, his life is provoking. He was a guy on mission and this is how his life was characterized. The book God Dwells Among Us says, before departing for Burma at 24, Adoniram Judson's deep conviction to engage this missionary service, to be on mission for God, that's what he was doing, was to be devoted to this work for life whenever God in his providence shall open the way. His convictions were tested for 38 years in Burma through the loss of two wives, seven of his 13 children and terrible sickness at sea that led to his death. In the face of constant persecution and imprisonment, he not only finished a Burmese English dictionary and grammar, but also translated the entire New Testament into Burmese. After 10 years, he had one church of 18 believers. Mr. Judson, was your mission hard? I don't think he needs to answer that, does he? That was a hard mission. And what we're not perhaps used to is the fact that we are living in a time frame where our country, like like Europe did in the last half century, Europe has has turned very post-Christian. And so it is a setting where the mission of the gospel is very hard in ways that we're not familiar with. And writers in... Uh, Europe have been writing to America saying it's on its way to you. Your nation will be a post-Christian nation and you will not find Christianity as welcomed, as clarified, and as easy as you once did. And that will be our mission. I think for for many of us, that will be the mission for the rest of our lives. We will do mission in a very hard setting. So into that moment, here's, here's what comes to us in this passage. Some instruction comes to us as it came to those folks in Hebrews, to, to do this. <clears throat> let us also, in this hard moment, let us also <clears throat> one, let us and I, I, seriously, let us take this up, because we are on a moment in, in, our, in our lives personally and as a church, where the mission is hard. Let us, one, let us lay aside, weights. And sins, and entanglements. Let us lighten the load. I just, I'm going to read these comments quickly. I put them in your outline. I don't want to take too much time. Hard moments are not the time for unnecessary and non-primary weights to be carried. Hard moments. right? Maybe when you don't have too much difficult going on, you can, you can add unnecessary weights, but hard moments, you cannot. Because if you do, you'll get crushed. Because it's already hard and there's already a weight. And in the kingdom of God today, sometimes there are so many things in our lives going on that it's very hard for us to add the kingdom and its weight to our lives because there's so much else going on. But, but maybe laying aside is a word that we need to hear. Hard moments can be a petri dish for bacterial sin to bloom. Most of us recognize, I'm kind of at my worst when things get hard. When things are slow and they're delayed. Hardness brings with it its own sense of frustration. I'm trying, but it's not changing. How long is this going to go on? Frustration can awaken anger. Anger can awaken conflicts with one another. We can begin to lack respect and care. We can begin to be a source of critique and gossip. These are the opportunities that sit in the category of hard. When it's easy... And everything's rewarding, and we just feel one giant, that was a success, way to go, that's awesome, can we do more of that? Those are not moments that inspire these kinds of difficulties, but in these moments, entanglements increase, and sin abounds. And the word of God says, hey, in your hardest setting, uh, let us lay aside the things that entangle us. Let us run with endurance. You don't have to run anything with endurance when it's just full of pleasure and it's easy. You don't endure ease. You endure hard. Hard moments are still moments that we keep running. That's true for whatever missions individually are here in the room. It's true for us as a church. Whether this season is hard for us or not, we keep running. That's what we do. This moment of running feels a particular way. Uh, it, it doesn't feel like the race you dreamed of. And it doesn't feel like the, the initial steps in the starting block. You know, you just start a race. I and mean, you guys who've been runners, you start a race and those first few steps, man, you just feel good, right? I mean, you just, you're, you're pumped, you're excited, you got adrenaline, you got energy in your body. Uh, that's not how you feel when you get miles out into the race, though, is it? It feels different. Be ready. For the race to feel different when it becomes hard. And lastly, look to Jesus. Can you just apply that for a second in every category of your life? When, when your relationships with other people get hard, look to Jesus. When your walk with your spouse gets hard, look to Jesus. Jesus. When your parenting gets hard or when your being in a family gets hard or when your being in a church gets hard, look to Jesus. Now, I know that sounds obvious, but where do we usually look? We look to people. And in hard moments, we're probably looking to people who don't have their A game going on right now. Your marriage is in trouble. The church is weak. So we look to people, and that's exactly what inspires more of a sense of trouble. In us, but we're told, look to Jesus. Hard times are hard for reasons, and as soon as they start feeling hard, we start shopping for what's making this hard. Is it that? I think it's that, and it's that. And the more we identify that, the more we stare at it. So now I'm not looking at Jesus, I'm looking at my ability to discern what's broken here and what needs to be fixed. But yet, God calls us in hard times to look to Jesus. And one of the things that makes looking to Jesus hard is there's always commentators in the room with us when life gets hard. And today, we live in a world that likes to comment and even likes to protest. So people loudly say things. Now, Jesus had some loud commenters with him, right? When Jesus broke news to his disciples, this is about to get hard, guys. I'm going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer. And that's the word that he used. He got rebuked by Peter. You remember that? No, no, Lord. Certainly, if God has a plan for you, it's going to be easy. Certainly, right? No, Peter. I'm going to Jerusalem to be turned over into the hands of sinners and crucified. Even when it was hard in the garden of Gethsemane and the weight began to get set on him of what was coming at the cross. What was Peter doing? Pulling a sword out, chopping off ears, right? Peter had a hard time believing hard could be in the equation. And sometimes we're like that, right? If it's hard, is God really in this? It's hard. Yeah. Can I call witnesses? Yeah, there's lots of them in scripture. So let me make this one last point here and we'll be done. Hebrews 12 starts that way. This is how Hebrews 12 ends. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 25, counsel for those in a season of hard. Verse 25 says, See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them from heaven uh, on earth remain like without question when things start to shake there are two things happening simultaneously there are things that you and i can stare at and see that thing is causing that thing to shake that person is causing that thing to shake that event is causing that thing to shake but as christians we don't ever just look at life that way god is causing things to shake there is a sovereign activity of God going on when things are shaking. And he says, hey, behind the scenes, uh, I'm doing a work that removes certain things and strengthens other things. And you and I as believers need to stare into our moments, our hard moments especially, and see God is at work in both of those places because it, it ends up, therefore, this whole chapter ends in verse 28, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, right? There's shaking going on and Christians aren't out of bounds when the world feels like it's shaking, but you and I have a confidence that there are things that God does that cannot be shaken. There are things about our lives that cannot be shaken. And thus, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. So how do we respond? Because these are people struggling, How do we end up responding? With an awareness that things are shaking, but there's a God behind the shaking. And he's accomplishing something in the midst of the shaking things of our lives. So therefore, let us be grateful in this moment. And let us offer to God acceptable worship in this moment. In the hard moment. Not not when it becomes easy. In the hard moment. Let's pray together. Lord, we are grateful, as this passage encourages us to be. Lord, though our lives, like the folks in Hebrews chapter 12, are are lives filled with noise and changes and questions and uncertainties, find our lives in new places, find ourselves personally in different places, we find our church in a different place. But, Lord, we are grateful... That you are the God who's in charge of shaking. And Lord, nothing shakes and then shakes you, Lord. There's not anything in the universe, there's not any person, there's not any event or activity that is shaking the God who does the shaking. So God, we are grateful to know there are things about our lives that are unshakable. They will not be moved. They will still be there when the shaking is done. And so, Lord, we do turn to you in our moment when we don't have all the answers and we turn to you in worship, Lord. We turn to you in this moment and say, Lord, you are as worthy as you've ever been in our lives. You are as much God as you have ever been in our lives. And we trust you, Lord, whether times are hard or times are easy. Lord, you are the same. You do not change. And therefore, we are grateful And our hearts worship you in this moment as much as in any other. In Jesus' name, amen.